to the Fun Sized Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Safeli. This podcast is your favorite place to learn about all things that revolve around health and wellness for females under 5'3". By listening to the Fun Sized Podcast, you'll get practical and actionable strategies for weight loss, muscle building, eating, exercising, strengthening relationships, overall health, and so much more. I know that petite women like you don't just want to curate a rockin' little body of your dreams. You want to know how to eat right, work out smart, feel energized, have fun, boost your confidence, and how to move through life while continuing to maintain a lean physique, especially when things get messy. This podcast will always give you a dose of realness, practicality, and empowerment you truly need to develop the highest version of you and be proud to be petite. So subscribe now if you're ready for solo episodes from me and interviews from the best little guests around to support you on your mission to become fun-sized. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. In one of my latest Instagram posts, I mentioned that carbs can be a petite's secret weapon. But before we can even talk about carbs, we need to talk about the metabolism of an average petite who wants to lose body fat. Of course, there are always going to be outliers. You probably know a really skinny, tiny, petite girl who can eat everything and not ever gain an ounce, right? That bitch. No, I'm totally kidding. But anyway, I'm I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about the average petite who stores body fat more easily. The reason for this is because our natural threshold for calories is a little bit smaller than that of the average human of average height. Again, there are definitely outliers. You probably know that 5'6 girl who is eating only 1,000 calories and still putting on weight. But I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about the average healthy human. So since our maintenance calories is slightly less than theirs, studies have shown that our metabolisms are slightly slower. So if we require less calories, that also means we require less carbs, right? Theoretically, that makes sense. But less carbs doesn't mean we should eliminate them entirely or heavily restrict them, and here's why. Restricting carbs and being in a deficit has been proven to slow down one's metabolism. Now, I just told you that a petite's metabolism is slower, so why would we want to slow it down anymore? So if you're eating only protein and fats like the keto or the low-carb diet suggests, you're probably not eating at maintenance-level calories because if you were, that'd be a lot of chicken breast and bacon grease and hello, heart attack, right? So when a petite goes low-carb, all I can think is, oh my god, she is totally destroying her metabolism, which is not what she wants to do because... Why else would you be eating in a deficit? But anyway, as a petite, you need a calorie blasting metabolism to get the weight off because it's more difficult for you to create a calorie deficit because your calories are most likely low as it is. So the ultimate question here is, how do we keep the metabolism high or as high as it could be for a petite? The answer is complicated, unfortunately. 
So you have to eat enough, not just enough to survive, right? Because everyone can probably get away with 800 calories, but their system's not going to be working properly. They're going to be miserable, whatever. We have to eat enough to thrive. Because our calorie threshold is lower, that means our margin of error is lower. And therefore, that sweet spot or that window of calories where you're eating enough to keep your body from starvation mode but not eating too much to tip the scale up is really pretty narrow. But let's say you found your calorie threshold and you're reaching it consistently. Great. Good job. Way to go. That means your body's functions are working properly and your metabolism is most likely in a good spot. But how do you increase it? That's the question. Well, you could either do a reverse diet where you add calories, carbs, proteins, and fats and aim to stay around the same weight or within a few pounds above your weight and you try to increase your performance in the gym. Or if that's not your goal, if your goal is to lose fat rather than maintain it, you could play around with your carbs. So carbs, when used correctly, have the ability to spike insulin and boost leptin levels, aka increase your metabolism better than protein and fats do. So although protein and fats will also do this, carbs are way better at boosting that metabolism because of the glucose. So when somebody, especially petites, use carbs strategically, they can boost their metabolism to tap into those fat stores. Pretty amazing, right? Before you can start implementing this kind of carb cycling strategy, there's two things you gotta do first. So first is you gotta fucking understand carbs. Yes, it's true that they make you retain water for every one gram of carb, you hold three grams of water. This is not a bad thing. You know, a lot of people demonize it, but it's it's not a bad thing. But it is why that when people go low carb, they seem to have this massive reduction on the scale. But you've got to remember, it's most likely just water weight, and it's not the fat they're trying to lose. So The other thing you need to know is that carbs lie on a spectrum. So on one end of the spectrum, you have simple carbs, also known as simple sugar. And then on the other side, you have complex carbs, also referred to as starch. The difference between simple and complex carbs is how quickly they are digested and absorbed. So most people are so quick to say that complex carbs are better for you, they're the healthiest option. But to be honest, they both have their time and place. And I use them both. So for example, both fruit and nutritionally stripped processed treats like Pop-Tarts fall on the quickly digested side. While fruit is deemed totally healthy and great and Pop-Tarts are not, even though they both fall into that same category. Likewise, um, on the other side, the complex carbs, um, whole grain breads fall on the complex side. But if you have a gluten intolerance or a wheat intolerance, that bread isn't going to be healthy for you. So in that case, that complex carb is not the best option for you. So to prove my point One is not necessarily always better than the other, but you need to know when and how 
to use them properly for you in order to shed body fat and boost metabolism. Second thing you need to do before taking a carb cycling approach is you've got to be able to consistently reach a carb goal for at least a few weeks. That level of diligence tells me that you are ready to take shit to the next level. If you can't consistently reach a carb goal yet, then that goal is either not right for you or you've got to try harder. Once you master your macros and you're hitting everything consistently and you're doing great there, then you can implement a carb cycling approach where you alternate carbs in and out of your daily caloric intake in a very specific pattern efficiently. So there are a million different ways to go about carb cycling. Some are way more complicated than others. I've talked about one that is really complicated on one of my podcasts. I can't remember which one it is. Um, But then others are simpler. Which one you choose truly depends on the person and the level of experience you have with macros. Um, The one that we're going to talk about today is simple and it is basically a cheat or a refeed meal. So if you've listened to episode 41 about cheat day mistakes for petites, then you know that I have my one-on-one clients focus on eating a controlled high-carb refeed meal every one to two weeks based on how they're progressing. So that's because I want them to implement this carb cycling kind of approach to boost leptin levels uh, and therefore metabolism. Um, but sometimes just saying carb cycling approach is like not fun. Uh, the refeed, the cheat meal, that sounds more fun <laughs> in a way. And it, I don't know, I think it's a, an easier concept to digest than to try to digest this, but you guys are ready for this, I think. So anyway, um, I say a controlled refeed meal because it's not an all out binge where you're eating until you're full. Instead, it's a strategic and systematic approach. Ideally, I have my clients aim for a 300 to 600 calorie high simple carb refeed. I know this sounds really complicated. This works so well because your body quickly digests and absorbs the controlled amount of carbs, but because it's not an all out binge of slow digesting carbs, you won't spill over too far where it all gets turned to fat. Instead, your body burns off that refeed pretty quickly, and because you then return to your normal intake and carb targets the next day, if you were always eating in an influx of carbs, then you'd basically be telling your body to store it as fat because excess insulin and the bloodstream will make your body store it as fat. You want to give, like I said, just enough, but not too much. Just enough to spike it, to rev up that metabolism, but not too much to make you store it. Just to recap, you'll want a meal that's high in simple carbs, something that's going to digest pretty quickly. Yes, it can contain protein and fats because, I mean, it's really, really hard to have a meal without them. But ideally, we're aiming for the carbs because those are what's going to work best. So let's say you try this strategy. How do you know if it worked? 
Well, there's three major metrics I use. So the first one is weight on the scale. I usually do not like to tell people to weigh themselves every day because I don't want them to freak out because there's natural fluctuations and all that. But if you're the type of person who enjoys feeling like a science experiment, then you'll probably love this because I do. The day after a refeed, you should be up one to two pounds on the scale. Any more than that, you probably did it, went way too hard, you had too much food. Any less than that, you probably didn't go hard enough. So one to two pounds, generally, that's the sweet spot. Remember, it's not fat. It's probably the extra water weight from the extra carbs. One to two days after that, your weight should either return to the starting weight or dip slightly below that starting weight. Two to three days after that, you should definitely be below your starting weight if you stay diligent to your regular macros. That's the secret weapon, you guys. This is what I was telling you about. The second metric I use is your hunger levels the day after a refeed. So since you spiked your leptin levels, when you return to that normal calorie intake, you should feel hungrier than normal. That's another good sign that your metabolism is revved up. By that second day, you should feel fine again. If that hunger stays high after three or four days, then you might want to consider having another mini refeed. Just all depends on where you're at and if your weight is like super, super low or whatever. And thirdly, resting heart rate. I'm starting to notice for me specifically that every time I have an effective refeed, my RMR goes up like two beats per minute. Metabolism and heart rate aren't directly correlated, but they are related. So that's another good sign that things are running optimally. And remember how I said there's a million different ways to implement carb cycling? I mean it. I think that once you nail this particular strategy, then you are ready for some of the more complex systems. So start with this and let me know how it goes. And then maybe later down the road, we can talk more about more carb cycling approaches and strategies. But in the meantime, if you want more about my fun size refeed strategy, then check out episode 41 if you haven't already. And additionally, this is a little bonus because we're on the topic of carbs. Veggies, which are also carbs, might not be the secret weapon, but they are definitely a petite's best friend. And there's three reasons for this. One is they add volume to your meals, which keep you feeling full. The more you feel full, the less likely you are to binge on those simple carbs when the timing isn't right. Two, they keep you feeling full because they are loaded with fiber, which minimizes the insulin response from making you hungry again. Now, just because fiber is good for that reason doesn't mean that you should go seek fiber from Fiber One bars or Quest bars or anything like that. That kind of processed fiber tends to make you bloated, not feeling so great, definitely doesn't help with the scale weight. So, Try to get your fiber from natural things like those vegetables. And finally, that fiber is also going to give you regularity. It's not uncommon for petites to be a little backed up. Going number two daily will eliminate toxins, which will lead to a more efficient metabolism. A well-oiled machine that takes in and eliminates food efficiently is going to look and feel better than one that doesn't. All right, you guys. That's a wrap. As always, if you have any questions about this topic or 
another topic cue the dog barking goose wanted to make her appearance apparently anyway if you have any questions feel free to dm me on, on instagram and thank you guys again for listening i will catch you in the next episode if you enjoy this podcast or any of my fun size content buy me a coffee and help me keep the content flowing just head on over to funsize.life podcast to become a supporter Did you know that there is a path of least resistance to shedding unwanted body fat and building lean muscle with a lot less stress and frustration than you probably currently already have? Girl, I totally get it and I've been there and there have been so many coaches and programs that claim they could help me but never really did and I didn't know why. I always tried to fit myself into those programs and styles of eating and training that seemed to work for everyone else and then I finally realized that the reason it wasn't working for me was because I'm way shorter than the average person that those programs were designed for. I'm only five feet tall and I wasn't truly training and eating in a way that aligned with my short stature. See, height does play a role in how many calories we need, how many calories we burn, how much we can safely and realistically lift, and has a profounding impact on how much we believe in ourselves. So if you are ready to fully accept your short height, let go of those standard programs created for average size people and let go of your self-sabotaging patterns to find ease in your healthy lifestyle, then you absolutely need, need, need to apply for my one-on-one coaching program for women under 5'3". What I found after going through my own personal fitness journey, going from just an average plain Jane short girl to a published swimsuit model, then naturally recovering from exercise-induced amenorrhea, and also working with so many petite women over the years in the online space, I have found that there are so many more challenges for petite women to alter their body composition, and I want to help you overcome those challenges. So open your web browser and go to funsize.live coaching to learn more about my one-on-one coaching program designed specifically for short girls.